You're listening to the Grace Through Faith weekly podcast. For more information, go to mygtf.org. We hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, church. I'm really glad that you're with us this morning, and I hope that the the time that we're spending in worship uh, is is refreshing to your soul. I know it's been for us up here, it's been refreshing to ours. And if you haven't noticed yet, we're changing things up a little bit this week. Um, we're going to begin a new sermon series, but uh, for the remainder of our time where we're just doing live stream only, um, we're going to change things up. And, and really, I think that what this was born out of is it's, it's really an honor to get invited into your living room um, every single week, even during pray- for prayer on Wednesday. Um, and so we've tried to create some kind of a living room space for us up here so that, that we can interact together. And one of the things I felt like the Lord spoke whenever we were worshiping just now is that the Spirit of God is interactive, Right? Um, that God, he, he needs to interact with us. But even in the body of Christ, there's this interactivity that has to happen for the engagement and the function of the body um, to operate like it needs to operate and for the, for the spirit to flow through the body, through the gifts. And so that's really what we're trying to uh, accomplish is for there to be a, a more relaxed living room atmosphere so that the Lord can invade not just you at home, but he can minister to our team. Because one of the things that's been happening over the last four weeks since we've been doing this um, during this pandemic is, man, these, these folks who have been helping lead worship, been pulling off this live stream, they have been working overtime and they've been doing a great job. And so this is uh, really just kind of a pivot for, for us to create some kind of environment for the Holy Spirit to flow through in a, in a more um, uh, relevant way uh, up here in the, in the building. And I hope that that's coming across for you at home. And so, like I said, today we're going to be um, starting a new um, sermon series. And so I want to invite you, if you have your Bible, to open those up to Hebrews chapter 6, and the, the title of the series is going to be Anchor. You know, during uncertain times, there's something inside of us that craves certainty, um, something inside of us that craves even stability. And, and I don't think that that's wrong. I think that's just human nature. There's something in us that whenever things are dangerous and whenever things are unstable, that we move to a more safe and stable place. And so one of the things that's, that's true in God's Word is we're going to see this in Hebrews chapter 6 today. In verse 19 it says, We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Now one of the things that we're going to talk about today is what is this? We have this, and so what is the this that the book of Hebrews is talking about. But it goes on to say this, We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor for the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone before us. And as we, as we look at that passage, there's something inside of us during these uncertain times that is going to crave stability. And the good thing about what God's Word does is it gives us the reality of what that is. And so as we kind of work through this over the next couple of weeks, there's something I feel like that God wants to do inside of us to anchor us and prevent us from drifting. In chapter 2, verse 1 of Hebrews, it says this, Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. There's, you know, one of the things that anchors do is they, they're, they're used to prevent a ship from drifting because of current or because of the wind. And listen to me, whenever, whenever there's uncertain times like we're going through right now, there's a lot of things that are being blown about around us. There's a current that kind of comes into our life that begins to pull us away from this, the path that God has for us. Listen, there's a temptation in the season 
to pull you off of what God has for you. And what the Bible says is that there is this place in God to where we have to pay more attention to what we've heard so that we don't drift away. There's a temptation right now to drift away from the voice and the reaction of God in this season and drift into a place of fear and anxiety. In the coming days, and you can already feel this beginning to develop, there's going to be this temptation to pull us and make us drift into a place of anger and rage. Listen, God has something inside of us, the people of God, because He lives within us, to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit in this moment that exhibits peace, that passes understanding, that exhibits love whenever other people are accusing us of something. And so this is the thing that I feel like God is speaking right now above all things is we're going to have to anchor ourselves or the current of this world, the the phenomenon that's happening around us is going to pull us away and we're going to drift into somewhere we don't want to be, and that's the flesh. And so today what I want to talk about specifically is what is this sure and steadfast anchor for the soul that Hebrews 6 is talking about. And so if you look in chapter 6, look at verse 13, and I want you to just, I want to unpack this, and I'm just going to forewarn you before we jump in to verse 13, we're going to unpack a lot of theology for just a second, and then I'm actually going to ask Pastor April to... to, I'm going to pull her into the conversation, and she's going to share a little bit from her heart today. Um, But verse 13 starts this way. It says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying this, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited obtain the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So, when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of His purpose, He guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now that passage can be a little bit confusing because one of the things that it says is that by two unchangeable things, but it doesn't actually spell out for you and me what those unchangeable things are. And one of the things that I want you to, 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 to remember as we're reading this passage is the person who wrote this, this epistle was writing to the Hebrews, hence the, the title of the book. He was writing to Jews so that they could hear the gospel. And one of the things that he's doing as he's writing to these Jews is he's reminding them of the story that God has laid forth as he brought them from Moses, as he brought them from even Abraham, and even the Garden of Eden. And as he's unpacking this, the audience that's reading this book in the first century knew exactly what he was talking about in these two unchangeable things. They knew the story of Abraham so well. And so I just want to remind you, the two unchangeable things for you and I is the same as it was for them. They are the promise of God and the oath of God. This is what it says in Genesis chapter 15. I just want to kind of summarize real quickly what chapter 15 was all about because that was the day that God made a promise to Abraham. 
And if you know this story, Abraham was kind of grieving to God that he didn't have an heir to pass on the blessing that he had given him in his family. He had a really great servant and somebody who, who worked for him diligently. And God made a promise to Abram. He said, I will give you a son. You will have an heir. And he took, if you remember the story, he took Abraham outside and he told him to look at the sky and he told him to look at the stars. He said, your descendants will outnumber the very stars in the heavens. That is the moment that God made a promise to Abraham. And this is the reality of God's character of what Hebrews chapter 6 is reminding me and you of. Is that God, whenever He makes a promise, He fulfills it. He is a man of His word. Now this is the cool part of this passage, the theology of Hebrews chapter 6. As you move forward in Abraham's story, there was another level of this covenant that God made with Abraham. In Genesis chapter 22, and I want to read this to you. In Genesis chapter 22, we kind of fast forward in Abraham's life. And in this moment, Isaac, the promised heir, has been born. Now this wasn't Abraham's plan. Abraham's plan was Ishmael. This was God's fulfillment of the promise that he made for him in chapter 15 of Genesis. And in chapter 22, God asks Abraham to sacrifice that promised heir. He says, I want you to go up on Mount Moriah and I want you to take some wood and I want you to take a knife and I want you to take your promise, the heir that I promised you. I want you to build an altar and I want you to lay him on the altar and I want you to sacrifice him to me. And in verse 15 of chapter 22 in Genesis, it says this, And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn declares the Lord. Because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven, as the sand that is on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. This is the passage that Hebrews 6 quotes. This is the passage where you see Abraham step from a place of God's promise to God's oath. And that's what Hebrews 6 is talking about. There's this validation in God where he made this promise to Abraham and he saw Abraham step into a place of faith, exponential faith, to where he was willing to follow God into sacrificing the very promise that he'd made. And as soon as God, the Father, saw that willingness and that faith in Abraham, he said, now listen, we're going to double down. I made you a promise that I would bless you and I would bless your children and your descendants, that they would possess the, 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 the gates of their enemies, it goes on to say. But now I swear to you. And there's a difference between a promise and, a, and an oath. There's not much of a difference, but there is a, a, a little bit of a difference, and that little bit of a difference is a big deal. Because here's what a promise is. A promise is a commitment that we make to somebody else, right? And if I borrow some money from Pastor Bo and I say, hey man, I promise I'll pay you back next Tuesday whenever I get my paycheck. Then I've made a commitment to him and he will want me to follow through with that, amen? <laughs> but, but, here, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. Whenever I swear an oath, what I do is I take a promise and I invoke God's name. I say... This happens in the court of law all the time. If you stand on a witness stand and you're fixing to give testimony, they ask you to make an oath, not just a promise, but an oath. And they ask you to say that the testimony that I'm about to give is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. 
So help me God. And what you do whenever you invoke God's name on that promise is you're saying to the person that you're making a promise to, if I don't fulfill this promise to you, may God deal with me. Listen, this is what Hebrews 6 is saying, and I hope that you catch this because it's really powerful. God, not having anybody higher than Himself to swear by, He swore by Himself. And he told Abraham in Genesis chapter 22, because you were willing to do this and sacrifice the very promise, the fulfillment of the promise that I gave you, I swear by myself that your household will be blessed. And not just your household, this is the good news. And Galatians 3 lines this out for you and I, that those who are the people of faith in Christ are the children of Abraham. And they are the heirs of His promise. And the promise that I just read to you was that Abraham's household would be blessed. His children would be blessed. That God would lay His hand on them and He would cause them to progress into good things. Now, as you and I hear that today, I want you to listen again as I read Hebrews 6. With that information now in your hands, I want you to hear what it says in verse 13 again. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself saying, Surely I will bless you and I will multiply you. Here's the hard part about promises. Whenever God makes us a promise and we're waiting for that promise to be fulfilled, the waiting is the hard part. You know, we breeze through Abraham's story, but Abraham had to wait a long time to see God's promise fulfilled. He was 99 years old whenever his wife Sarah conceived with the child of promise, Isaac. And, and as, as I look at my life, and maybe you can look at your life, there are seasons in my life whenever I feel like God has been leading me in a certain direction, and He's promised something to me, He's opened something up, and in the waiting moment, it becomes this struggle. One of the things that we're praying in this moment right now is that God would enter into the struggle with us. We're struggling through some things. And one of the things that we have to keep at the forefront of our mind is that in the midst of our waiting, we need to allow God to begin to help us wait. And so I want to ask um, Pastor April to actually come into this conversation. And I want you to share um, maybe a time in, in your life experience that you have struggled to wait on God to fill, fulfill a promise to you? Um, yeah, I, I can remember whenever Jory and I were first married, um, of just, you know, committing our lives to the Lord, um, making a choice that we were going to live for Him and not just have a relationship with Him, um, but we were going to go all in and, um, you know, put all of our eggs in, in his basket per se. And so as we began to follow him and learn to follow him and we just, God had made several big promises to us, a promise of a family, um, some financial, you know, promises, this picture that he kind of put out here before us. And, um, and so as we began to just step into some of those promises and we had a family um, we were both working at the time and uh, we had Sydney and um, I decided to, Jory and I really prayed about it and decided that I was going to quit my job and we were going to go 
um, to being a single income family. And man, in that season, we were literally just dependent upon him providing for us. We were, um, it's like our, our monthly income, the income that came in didn't line up with what we needed. And but really, God was just challenging us to step out and to have faith that he was going to provide for us. And so we did. And every month, God faithfully provided. But we were in this season of being dependent upon his provision. And as the years progressed and we came out of that season of being financially dependent upon him um, to provide for us, you know, began to get some um, increase in our monthly income. And Dory got some raises at work. And then it became this place of, you know, we had some extra. And so then we were responsible to steward um, that money. And um, we've always, I'm not going to say we, because I'm definitely the spender in our home. And, and Jory is the um, saver. Yeah. We'll just leave it at that. He's the <laughs> saver. Um, and, uh, you know, he has always challenged us to live below our means and um, to be good financial stewards with our money. And so I remember in that season, you know, having friends around us, you know, beginning to taste and experience some things that, you know, we were wanting to taste and experience. They were, you know, remodeling their houses and getting some new furniture and getting a new car. And man, I remember there would just be times that my attitude and my heart posture would kind of slip into this place of, of kind of just being a brat and, um, um, no comments. Okay. I think you're enjoying this a little too much, yeah. but really of just being a brat and wanting those things. And, and typically that place, whenever I was postured in that place, that would typically lead to some heated discussions and some frustration of why can't we do this? You know, why aren't we, aren't we there yet? And man, I remember they would usually end with lots of tears and I'm sorry for being a brat and, and, you know, pulling my heart and my attitude back over to this place of no, this is, this is what we're doing. And this is, this is what we're trusting. We're trusting that God has given us a promise for our life, a financial promise for our life. And, and there's a role that we play in that in being good stewards and waiting um, and so I would pull my heart back over to this place and really my attitude to go, I'm going to be content right where we're at. And we're going to continue doing what God's called us to do in faith that God is going to bring about that promise down the road. Um, and, you know, as as you know, I would fluctuate back and forth and back and forth. Um, man, we begin to see, you know, some of our friends who were experiencing, you know, some of those things, like I had said you know, it always looked like the grass was greener over on their side. Um, and I think one of the things that you would always question is, how come they can do that and we can't? Yeah, It's absolutely. like, what's going on? Yeah. There was this questioning in, in, your, in your heart. Yeah. It just why did they get to do these things? And, you know, we, we began to have some friends that, um, you know, it became very evident how they got to do these things. They got to do these things because they were putting them on credit and they were, you know, maxing themselves out and, and, and didn't have the means to provide for those things. And so they were getting things repossessed and, and ultimately winded up filing bankruptcy. And I remember then having, you know, kind of that aha moment, that epiphany of going, oh, wow, they really can't afford 
to do all of this stuff. And maybe, you know, what I'm wanting right now wouldn't actually be a blessing because we don't have the funds to go purchase those things. It would be something that we have to get credit on and we would owe for. And, um, and you know, I know this seems kind of shallow and, you know, talking about new furniture and new cars. I, I just remember in that season of life, it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, looking back now, it's like, we've gotten to buy the new furniture and we've gotten to get the new to us cars. And, you know, they really, they didn't change our lives. It's like, there might've been a little bit of momentary happiness or pleasure, but it was like, Oh, okay. That didn't fill me. Like I thought it was going to fill me. Um, but man, I just, I remember that waiting being so hard and, and just questioning the Lord, like, why can't we, why, why isn't this happening? And I think a lot of times we think that that waiting period, that really we're just not supposed to do anything, that it's just, we're literally just waiting on God to do the big thing, the heavy lifting. And sometimes in that season of waiting, there really is something for us to do. I know for me in that season, it was a season for me to keep my my heart and my attitude in a posture of contentment and being grateful for the things that God had given me and not being ungrateful for the promise that we hadn't yet realized. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and I think the, the thing that I, I, I want to kind of sh- pivot to and, and just talk for about talk about for just a second is, is really processing this pandemic that we're going through because what we just read in God's Word is that God's promise to Abraham and therefore His promise to us as His heirs, people of faith, is that He will bless us and multiply us. And one of the things that if we're not careful about is that if, if we allow our soul to become unanchored from that truth, then you'll begin to believe the lie of what's going on in the world of this is the end, right? This is the end of God's blessing. It's like the, the, all, all the fatalistic views and narratives that are going on right now are exhausting to me. And so if we aren't careful to anchor ourselves, that's what the promise of Hebrews chapter 6 is, this is an anchor for our soul. What this? God's promise, His oath to us. And that promise is sure. It's steadfast. It is immovable. And that's the thing that we have to anchor our heart and our soul into. And if we do that, it it will help us to not drift into a place of anxiety or anger. Right? It's like we get into these places of fear that this is the end and, and, you know, somebody that we love is going... the, The worst case scenario is going to happen, right? Or we start getting mad and we get mad at the government or we get mad at people and we begin to act out. And so one of the things that prevents us, the main thing that prevents us from drifting is that we anchor ourselves into what we've heard. That's what Hebrews chapter 2 said. That we anchor ourselves a a little bit harder into what we've heard. And what we've heard is this promise that God loves us, that He sent His Son for us, and that we as the people of faith, it's been credited to us as righteousness and we are the offspring of Abraham. And His promise is our promise. And so this is the promise that I want you to remember today as we begin to process this pandemic, is that God will... Now, He's promised this. As a matter of fact, He's sworn. He's sworn to you and I that He will bless you. And so no matter what negative narrative is going on in your mind and in your heart right now, God's promise to you is that there's a blessing in this season for you. And that all, not only is there a blessing, but there's a multiplication that can happen in your life to progress you past this. This doesn't have to be the end. There's a redemptive story that God has in your life right now. And so I want to give you three things real quick 
about how to process this, this pandemic as we're going through this. And really, like I said earlier, my prayer is that God, that you would allow God to begin to enter into this struggle with you. And as you do that, here's three things real fast. Number one, allow God to pick the pace, and I'll unpack that here in just a second. Number two, surrender your dreams and your plans to God. And if we do those first two things, then the third will be true. Then you will be positioned for the next leg of the race. This is what Isaiah 40 verse 30 says. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. One of the things that I feel like that we have to do in this moment, in this pandemic, is to allow God to pick the pace. And that's kind of hard because if you're, if you're in a place where you're responding to God's movement from the flesh, then you're always going to be out of sync with the movement of the Spirit. Because one of the things that the Spirit does is He asks us to stop and wait in moments. And in that moment of waiting, our flesh wants to go, right? But then there's other moments where God says, okay, I need you to go. There's an opportunity before you and seize the day. And in those moments, our flesh is like, oh, no, I don't want to get rejected. I don't want to apply for that job, right? And so there is this synchronization that has to happen within us, and you can only do it from a place by walking in the Spirit, where we say, God, I'm going to allow you to pick the pace, and whenever it's time to run, I'm going to run, and whenever it's time to stop, I'm going to stop. And this is one of those moments for a lot of us where God is having us pause and wait. Listen, don't allow your flesh to get in the way, and do not miss this opportunity. I know that it's frustrating. There's stuff that we want to go do. There's plans that we've all had. There's this this frustration that can kind of well up in our soul. But in this moment, we have to allow God to pick our pace for us. Now, when we do that, we are going to begin to lay down some dreams and some plans. That's harder. That's, That's even harder than allowing God to pick the pace because whenever we allow God to pick the pace and and we want to go left, and He says, no, I want you to stop right now. I want you to wait for me. Then sometimes there's opportunities that we want to to seize that pass us by. And what God is asking of us in those moments is to surrender that. And I would even go so far as to say to sacrifice that. Just like he asked Abraham, and and listen, Genesis chapter 15, we didn't dive too deep into it, but I would encourage you to go read that this week because there's gold in that chapter. The thing that God asked Abraham was not to sacrifice his hopes and dreams, but to sacrifice the dreams and the promise of God on his life. This wasn't a fleshy thing that God was asking Abraham to offer on this, on this altar. It was actually the very thing that God had promised him. And listen, there's going to be times whenever opportunities pass us by, stuff that we want to engage with pass us by, and God is sitting there saying, I want you to lay that on the altar. And listen, if we will step into that moment and through faith surrender our plan our dream, and even whatever it is that he's asking of his, on that altar, that's the place that Jehovah Jireh shows up in. That's the place that he brings restoration and provision in. And so listen to me. If we do these first two things, allow God to pick the place, and then surrender our dreams and plans, then we will be positioned for the next leg of the race. Just like Isaiah chapter 40 just said, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. 
They will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and they will not grow weary. Listen, church, this is the thing that I feel like God is saying so loud to me right now is we will run again. I know that this is a moment of waiting and that this is a moment where we're all wanting this whole pandemic thing to to just be done, right? And we have our eye on what's going to be next. But listen, in this moment, we've got to, just like our government has told us, just like the the people in, in our state have told us, we need to finish this waiting process and this this sheltering in place process, we need to finish that strong. But as soon as this is over, and as soon as we begin to get back to a normal rhythm, we are going to run again. And if we aren't careful to use this moment to renew the strength in us, then we're going to miss that race. I really do believe that God has something for us in this season that God has a place for us to be renewed and to be restored. Do not miss your opportunity to gain strength from the Lord. Here's what I want to do um, just to close the service in the stream today is <clears throat> I asked Pastor Mercy to actually sing a song over us. And, and I, I know <clears throat> some of us may be taking communion at home, and so if you want to go ahead and get those elements, you can participate in communion together while she sings this, but as she's singing this, I really want to allow you or invite you to get to a place where you allow the Holy Spirit to minister the message of this song to your soul.
so grateful for the anchor that you are in our lives God that it is your love God that holds us together and that's going to sustain us in this season and before we close out this service I'm just curious as you're watching the live stream today what is it that maybe you're struggling with and waiting right now And I just think we have an opportunity in this moment to just open-handedly lay this before the Lord, to offer it up to Him. He's already picking the pace for us. The pace is set. And so what is it that maybe we're holding onto with fisted hand of no, this is mine and I want this, you can't have this. And church, I feel in this moment that we just have this this opportunity to open up our hands and to give it to him as a sacrifice of Jesus, you can have this. Whatever this is, it's yours today, God. We just put it on the altar, Lord, for you to do whatever you wanna do for you to have your way. And God, I just pray as people begin to respond to you today, Lord, that you would show up and be faithful in their circumstance. Lord, that whatever promises you have made to them in this season and in their lives, God, that Lord, this would be the season that sets them up to lay hold of everything that you have sworn and made an oath to them. So God, I just thank you for this message, the message of you being an anchor for us, God. Lord, that we're tethered to you, that God, you're gonna sustain us, that God, we're not just gonna survive this season, but we're going to thrive in it. And so God, we just thank you for your faithfulness to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, church, it was so good to meet with you guys today. It was great to be together. Um, Join us this coming Wednesday at 1230 for our live prayer. 
Um, Until then, you guys have a blessed week and we'll see you on Wednesday.